Welcome to the City Church Cebu Podcast, raising the standard, and the standard is Jesus. Did you know that when you became a Christian, that you entered into the battle of your life? Literally, when you wake up in the morning, there is a battle for your affections, there's a battle for your heart, there's a battle for your attention, and everything you do is always a choice between right or wrong. Because honestly, if you stay stagnant, you're going to slide backward. No one stagnant moves forward. It's always backward. So it's a battle. That's why Paul calls it warfare and spiritual warfare. In fact, to tell you how real the battle is, as I was preparing for this, even last night, how the enemy loves to disrupt. And if you're a pastor, you understand this. Right, Pastor JP? On the day that you're about to preach, sometimes it, it becomes messy. You're fighting with your wife. Suddenly your children are not your children anymore. They're just different. And last night was no, uh, no special case. From the evening, our, our little daughter, she threw up. No reason why she threw up. In fact, she just wanted to throw up. I don't know why you'd throw up, baby girl. She just threw up, and we were awake at night. Judah wets his bed, 3 a.m., and I'm just there cleaning the bed, and I'm saying, God, this spiritual warfare. Right before, and I go home after the morning service, right at home, and it was a riot. You know, the kids were running, crying, sleepy, and I said, ah, oh, spiritual warfare. Just when you're about to do something, anything to disrupt, Satan is going to do. Amen? So what I'm going to do is we're going to start and pray, and we're going to ask the Lord to remove every, every obstacle, every distraction in this place, and we're going to war in the Spirit. Amen? Father, today we move aside every, every obstacle in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we declare, Father God, open hearts and open minds to receive the Word of God today. Lord, that when we leave this place, we leave this place empowered, understanding the weapons of our warfare in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Ephesians 6.12 says this. I'm going to jump right in. I've got a lot to cover. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Every time you argue, even if it's with your wife or somebody in your home, you have to know that there's a higher power at work. It's not just you and your wife. That Satan, his demons, spiritual forces are at work all the time. And until you realize that the spirit realm is as real as the natural realm. In fact, what happens in the spirit happens in the natural. The truth of the matter is, okay, I know if you're a first timer, this is getting weird. Trust me, it's going to get weirder. Yeah, so you're in a good time to be here. But God is good, amen? Now the call to spiritual warfare is um, not for us to be devil conscious. It's for us to be God-focused. I want you to know that you're not going out looking for demons. Lord, show me the demons and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rebuke. You're rebuking your neighbor, your neighbor's dog. You're rebuking everything. No, that's not the point of spiritual warfare. You don't go out and pick a fight, but you're ready when the fight comes. Amen? And that's the point of spiritual warfare. Colossians 2, 14 to 15. I'm going to give you a lot of verses today. I'm going to move really quick. Is that Okay. Because I need to show you that everything I'm talking about is grounded in the Word of God so that you and I understand that the book, this book, is where we get our arsenal and our weaponry and we understand our authority in this book. Amen? 
Colossians says this, He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, He, meaning Christ, disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly with His victory over them on the cross. Okay. If He put them to shame and He disarmed them, why do we need to do spiritual warfare? If the battle is already won. This has to be clear. We don't fight to obtain victory, but we fight from a place of victory. Amen? Because Christ did it all for us, we're already standing in a place of victory and we're enforcing what Jesus already did. Okay? Just like Joshua, he was promised the promised land. But in the promised land, as Pastor Joe would always say, there were enemies and they had to conquer territory. It's the same principle with spiritual warfare. Even though we have the victory, there's territory that you and I need to conquer every single day. Are you following me still? Yes? If I'm moving too fast, I'll put on the brakes a bit, but I want to cover so that I can give you five weapons today. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Look at Paul. He was so serious about spiritual warfare. He uses the word weapons, and he uses the word war. He says, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power, say power, to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedience to Christ. So Paul was so serious about this warfare thing that he used words like weapons. Now, we don't distribute weapons here, and it, we're talking about weapons in the spirit, okay? Those that are on Facebook Live, or you might think we're thinking weapons. No, this is weapons in the spirit. And today, I want to give you, this is actually very basic, and I'm sure a lot of you know this, but sometimes you need to be reminded of who you are in Jesus and what you have, amen? It's just not about who you are, but it's what you have simply because you're a son and you're a daughter of God. There are weapons that the Lord gave us that we can fight back and push back the enemy. You don't need your pastor. You don't need Pastor JP to pray for you. Although if he prays for you, double portion anointing. Pastor Herb, triple portion anointing. Wow. Pastor Joe, quadruple portion. Ako single portion lang. Okay. Humble, humble. Okay. So I want to give you five weapons today. And with this, I want you to walk out of this place using these weapons. Amen. Yes? The first weapon that you and I have that we belittle and we don't realize is the weapon of the name of Jesus. But did you know that there's power in the name of Jesus? I'm going to throw you some verses. Look at Mark 16. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. Parang wala lang, no? Use my name, it'll drive out demons. Shoo, they'll shoo away. In the name of Jesus. And it says here, they will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. And they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. There's power in the name of Jesus. Please don't pick up snakes. Please don't drink poison. Lord, testing, testing. You don't want to do that. Okay? Be wise also. And look at another verse. Um, Luke 10 says this, The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in 
your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Another verse, look at this. John 14, 13 says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. You see, the name of Jesus is not just for warfare. It's also for asking. That's how powerful the name of Jesus is. You can come to God, fight the enemy in his name, and you can come to him in his name and ask for things in the name of Jesus. And that same name can both deliver people, deliver you, and actually get answers to your prayers. That's how powerful the name of Jesus. Another verse for you. If it's too many verses, just get, take, take pictures of the slides. Maybe some of you are asking, but, but sir, what if... That name was only powerful when Jesus was alive, when he was walking on earth. All right, I'll bring you to the book of Acts. Jesus had gone up to heaven, and this is what happened. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I've, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He says, get up and walk. And this man started to walk. You see, it doesn't matter if Jesus walked the earth or he's back in heaven. I'm telling you, the name that is above every other name, as far back as 2,000 years ago, all the way to this day, that same name delivers people. It delivers drug addicts. It delivers porn addicts. It brings marriages back together. It sets things in orders in the home. That same name is as powerful as it was from day zero when there was no one that existed but only God. Here's what I want you to catch. The power of Jesus has not changed nor diminished. He remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see, I was a product of a praying mom. I really want to tell you so many stories, but I'll run out of time. I was a product of a praying mom. I'm not as bold as she is to use the name of Jesus, especially in public. I'll give you an example. When, we were, when they were here a few weeks ago, um, our daughter Ali was running in one of the stores, and she, she kind of hit her head. Okay, it was a very small store. I won't mention the store. It's a very tight store. And we picked her up. She started to cry. And here comes my mother. In Jesus' name, in Jesus. I said, Mom, can, can you not? Can, it, it's okay. There's nothing. It's okay. In Jesus' name. The same thing happened. We were here a few days before that. My mother took on the kids. They stayed at the waterfront for a few days. Took on three of the kids upstairs. I was spending time with my dad. And when she took on the kids, Evie jumped on her bed and she said, my, my, my daughter calls my, my mother Lolita, okay? That, that's how, I know, Arte, some, sorry, ma. That, that's how the, the drama sometimes, no? So she, she said, Lolita, Lolita, the table is moving. And now my mom was holding both, playing with Ali and Judah. The table is moving. Lolita is vibrating. Judah, wait here, huh? She goes to the table, in the name of Jesus. And, and I, I hear this story. And my dad says, you know, Bri White was vibrating. The compressor of the ref beside it, no, it was starting to shake. So it vibrate then your table. But the point is this, her go-to was the name of Jesus. She's warm mode all the time. Every little, in fact, after she prayed, she said, okay, Evie, don't worry. It's not going to move anymore. Then she goes back to the kids, plays with them. And her go-to is the name of Jesus. Are you ashamed to declare that name in public? Okay? That's just a check on you and me. Are you ready to go to the second weapon? Yeah? The second weapon is this, the blood of Jesus. 
And this is powerful. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's how powerful it is. And some of us are here so proud and we think, Lord, I sinned. I'm not forgiven. Who do you think you are that your sin can outdo the blood of Jesus? I'm telling you, your sin has nothing on the blood of Jesus. That's how powerful it is. You were a sinner and from afar, the blood of Christ brought you near. You think one sin can push you away. That's how wrong you and I are. That's how self-centered we are. Romans 5 verse 9, since we have now been justified by his blood, justified means it's just a fancy word of being declared righteous before God. Imagine no matter how you perform because Jesus is in you and the blood of Jesus is over you. When God looks at you, he doesn't see Brian and my sinfulness. He sees Jesus and his son's perfection over my life. The blood of Jesus has justified us. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? And look at this. All the way in the New Testament, now we go back to the end of the Bible it's still talking about the blood. Romans 12, look at uh, Romans 12, Revelation 12. Look at this. They triumph over him, the enemy, by what? The blood of Jesus. So you and I tell, tell me, if the blood of Jesus is not so powerful, we're talking about the blood in the past. We're talking about the power of the blood in the present. And look at Revelation. Far in our future, the blood of Jesus is still as powerful. And it can still save. It can change lives. It can transform people. That's how powerful the blood of Jesus is. Book of Revelation. That's into our future. And it's still quoting the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus makes our righteousness in him a reality. This is our eternal confidence. So let me get this straight with you. Don't come here second-guessing your salvation. If you receive Jesus, you receive Jesus. You can storm the gates of hell with confidence because you've already stormed the gates of heaven first. And that blood is on you. You have authority, the Bible says, to tremble on snakes and scorpions. Amen. You can take authority in your house. You can claim territory for Jesus. That happens to us. When our kids start getting sick, my wife and I, we stop. No, we got to pray this through. And we're beginning to pray in the spirit. We're beginning to declare. And our kids are just laughing. They don't know what's going on. And we're speaking words over them. And Judah is just repeating what I'm saying. But we just, just do it anyway. You know, because you have authority over your own home. Declare the name of Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. You are under the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Is this helping you? Or is it too basic? You already know this. Yeah? Here's the third. The third weapon that I want you to go home with is the weapon of the word of God. Hebrews 4 verse 12, the word for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You know, the word for double-edged is the, is the Greek word. We're not big on the Greek here, but it's important. It's the word daistomos. You know what daistomos means? It means double-mouthed, meaning 
double-edged, meaning the promises you receive from God, one edge, and the promises you speak out, another edge. That's how powerful the Word of God is. You get on the Word of God, you receive His promises, you receive the power, you receive the identity, and from there, you speak it out. That's the second edge against the enemy, and that's what makes it powerful. Because when you get into the Word of God, now you get a language when you pray. You get language when you speak out and declare. You're not just speaking human words, you're speaking the Word of God. That's when prayer becomes powerful. If you can sing, you can worship the Word of God, and that's what makes it so powerful because the word itself is a double-edged sword amen well are you are you okay did you even bring your bibles or this is your old double-edged sword this is your double-edged sword yeah the text you receive and then the text you text how do you do it get please get a get a real bible also you can have both i think that's the best you can have both is that okay okay ushers kick out people who don't have bibles I'm, I'm kidding. Ephesians 6 verse 17 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's something you and I should take. And this is my biggest código when it comes to the Word of God. All of us know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world, yes, that He gave His only. Thank you, Pastor JP. And that whosoever... All right. I was going to enroll you back in City Champs. If not... But the other 3.16, just as important, you have John 3.16, you have Colossians 3.16. Let the word of the Lord dwell in you richly. Okay, easy to memorize. Colossians, it's not in the slide. Colossians 3.16, John 3.16. After you get saved, the next is Colossians 3.16. I'm going to let the word of the Lord dwell in me richly. Amen? Yes. One thing's for sure, a person that is always in the word of God will not sin that i can promise you because that is all in the scripture psalm 119 says thy word have i hidden in my heart that i might not sin against you that's what it says in fact it's something that if you actually test it and for 30 days you get into the word every single day take time to read the word i promise your appetite for sin will go less and less and less but the opposite is true no if you're not in the word of god you're not praying it is so easy to sin right? It's so easy to fall. It's so easy to let a foul word leave your mouth because you're not checked by the scripture. But get into the word of God because the word of God is powerful in itself. If you don't know what to pray, pray the text. And when you pray the text, it's so powerful when you personalize it to you. Does anyone journal here? Anyone journals? You still journal your devotions? Yes? Like five people, God bless you. Okay. The rest, you just, you don't care. It's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. City champs. Let's do city champs together. But I, I try to teach the youth how to journal. There's so many methods to do that, but we can do that for another time. There's so many ways you can pen down and journal and read the Bible and get excited about it. All right. God's Word must be alive in our hearts and demonstrated in our lives to use the sword of the Spirit mightily. The only way that the Word of God becomes real is when you're not just a hearer of the Word of God, but you're a doer of the Word of God. That's when it becomes powerful. Because when you start to practice the Word of God, people see Jesus in you. Authority enters you. That when you speak, there's an authority about your life. Because you know that you've been living a life that's aligned to the Word of God. Amen? In fact, this is the best check that you can have in any church that you walk into. If they don't believe in the Bible, walk out of the church. 
If the pastor is preaching something else other than the Bible, get out of the church because this is the eternal word of God. It not, doesn't change. It's powerful and it can change our lives as well. Are you okay? Are you still following me? Can we do a review? Let's see if you're listening. What's the first weapon? Wow, praise the Lord. Second weapon is? Wow. And the third is? Awesome. Weapon number four, the Holy Spirit and his gifts. This is where it gets very tricky. John 14, 16 to 17 says this. And I will ask, this is from the Amplified Version. Very nice rendering. It says here, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, which means comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, and standby to be with you forever. Say forever. Now, if you're here and you don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, I'm telling you, there is no verse in the Bible that tells us that the Spirit left. The Spirit came and he stayed here. When Jesus went up to heaven, the Spirit is still here. All right? It says he's going to abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth is here. Verse 17, the Spirit of truth, you know him because he remains with you continually and he will be in you. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. You see, Paul will not tell you to desire something that's not true. It says in the Bible, he says, Paul, Paul was actually saying, I want you to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. I wonder how many of us actually came to God and asked him for a spiritual gift. I don't think people pray that anymore. It's more, Lord, give me strength. Give me, Lord, your grace. Give me faith. Give me this. But who of you have asked, actually, Lord, when I minister to someone, can you give me a word of wisdom? Can you give me a word of prophecy? How many of us actually pray this? Because I think generally a lot in the church, they don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit anymore. But I'm telling you, when the Spirit is alive, wonderful things begin to happen. When the Spirit's alive in you, wonderful things begin to happen. I'll, I'll share with you just a few experiences. Do I have time? Yeah? I said, yeah, good. One time, of course, my encounter with the Holy Spirit was, was I think I've told this story before. We went to this, um, this conference and in this conference, there was preachers shouting on fire. And they were so, it, it, was, it was just a time where God was moving mostly youth and young adults. And I had already started to make my journey with the Lord. And we were attending this conference. We were crying together as they were worshiping. We would listen to one speaker after the next. Now, one of my best friends who's now a missionary um, in Japan, he said, hey, Brian, I know the organizers. Why don't you take some of your buddies, you go to the back during intermission. We'll ask the pastors to pray for you. And that we did. We went to the back and we were in this, this hall, about this, this big, just a tiny hall. And it was a pathway to the CR, a pathway to the, both the ladies' restroom and the men's restroom. So all these pastors that were there started to get around my friends one by one. They started to pray for us. And of course, because I was kind of like the leader of the group, no? I didn't want to look like I needed prayer, <laughs> right? Sometimes when we're leaders, we're like that, no? So what I did, I was really scared. I didn't know what to expect. So what I did, I kind of joined the pastors to lay hands on my friends also, no? So as they were laying hands on my friends, yes, Lord, so I was laying hands also in Jesus' name. So I'd hear someone, oh, Je Jesus' name. And one by one, every friend of mine that was prayed for, they fell on the ground shaking and crying and weeping and Every time it happened, the more scared I was, 
I said, Lord, I don't want that to happen to me. Nakakahiya. Because it was the pathway to the CR. I could literally see people about to use the CR. They're stepping over them, you know, to get to the CR. So another friend of mine fell to the ground weeping and crying. And then another, and finally I thought I could get off the hook after we prayed. I said, oh, wow, praise God, praise God, pastors, thank you. And as I was about to exit, somebody grabbed me by the collar. He said, hey, we didn't pray for you. No, no, it's okay. No, let us pray for you. So what I did, so I didn't really believe in those things. I looked for the wall. It's a small wall. I looked for the wall and I stood this way, you know. I wanted to be sure no one was going to push me. If they push me, susuntukin ko talaga sila, kahit isa-isa, one by one. But they were, they were about eight around me. So I said, if someone pushes me and this is not real, really, I'm going to go kicking and screaming. So I, I held the wall and I just leaned back. I'm not kidding. But in a matter of seconds, the moment they put their hands on me and they started to pray for me, split second, my knees buckled. I fell on the ground. And for the next one hour and a half, I would be crying in the ground. Tapos na yung intermission. Everything started. Four of my friends, we were on that hall. It was like a war zone. One of my friends was near the trash can. The other friend was near the hallway to the CR for an hour and a half just weeping under the presence of God. Words were spoken over my life. This guy didn't even know me. Pastor whispered in my ear and he said, um, Brian, you're a preacher of the Word of God. He didn't even know me. I, I wasn't preaching yet. And he says, I want you to know that before when you were preaching, when, when you would teach, you were just holding a small stick. But now after this, he said, I'm going to give you a javelin that every time you preach, there will be authority in your words. And I started to cry. My brother above me was crying. But the Spirit of God is so real. And from that day on, it was a journey of growing to learn to listen in the Spirit. There were times I would be in the service and the Lord would tell me, pray for this person. Oh, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. I'm not going to go to the front and pray for somebody. But you know, the only way to find out if it's the voice of God and it's your voice is to actually obey. It's the only way. There's no shortcut. So if you're second guessing, you know what? Just do it anyway. And many times you'll realize the reason why you're hesitating because you're trying to save face. Nobody can seek God's face and save his own face. You got to let go of yours. Say, Lord, it's not about me anymore. It's not about how good I can be or what I can do. When the Spirit moves in you, it's like clockwork, and He can use you mightily to do great things. Greater works than these, the Bible says, you will do in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Recharge, we talk about these things because there's so many questions about it. We try and tackle it so that we understand, and we give you an opportunity to actually get before God and say, Lord, would you release gifts to your children today? There was one camp I attended several years ago. We had this teacher. He was, um, he was known to operate with some of the gifts of the Spirit. And I sat him down, American guy. He already passed away. I said, sir, how, how do you know? How do you do it? This is, this is crazy. I, I don't understand. When he talks to you, do you hear his voice? Is it audible? Because I don't want to hear the audible voice of God. I would freak out. That, that's so scary. That's why every angel that showed up in the Bible, what's the first line? Do not fear, right? You will die if an angel shows up. Lord, show me an angel. The first line of every angel in the Bible was do not fear because they were fearing, right? So you hear the voice of God. Imagine surround sound. You will die. So I said, sir, how do you do it? He said, you know what? You exercise your muscles in faith as, as, 
as you receive a word to pray for somebody, how else will you know if it's the Lord or not if you don't, if you do it or if you don't do it? Just, just keep obeying. And as you get consistency in the spirit, you pray, you, you receive words from God, pen things down, write things down. We had one camp, I'll never forget. He gathered all the leaders together and he looked at us, old guy, gray hair. He looked at us one by one. I knew nothing. He said, tonight after I preach, when we do the altar call, the Lord will operate in the prophetic. And I was just standing there, huh? Prophetic, okay. He said, you will speak words to people that will, that will come to the front. And this is what happened. When he opened the altar, the youth came in front. Every person that would stand, every leader that would stand before another person started to, to pray differently and speak differently and declare differently. And that day, so many words were spoken that were so precise over people's lives. It's crazy. I'd ask my dad the same thing. They'd operate that way in the 700 club. There's someone watching here with this backache. I tell my dad, dad, what is this? Can you tell me? Explain. How do you know if it's backache, lower back, left or right, up or down? Leg. What, what part of the leg? And he says, I don't know, Brian. Every time I close my eyes, we're praying. I literally see a lower back. And I question in my head, left or right. And literally, it's like a camera. It pans to the left. I said, that is so cool. I want that. See, that's why the Lord never gave it to me. Because I'm so proud. All I'm thinking is how cool it would be. Imagine you're talking to God, Lord, is someone here? Okay, someone has a headache. Okay, what side? Left side. Wow, I'd be so proud. The Lord saying, I'm never going to give you that gift, son. You just start preaching na lang, okay? I'll leave that gift to someone else. So, I'm just saying, I'm saying this because I'm telling you the Holy Spirit is real. Desire spiritual gifts. Make it a part of what you ask for. Every year when you pray, every day when you pray, don't just ask for money. Don't just ask for blessings. War in the Spirit for spiritual gifts because in this generation, it takes a lot of spiritual gifts for this generation to begin to believe. And I promise you, when you walk in that way, the power of the Holy Spirit that you can operate in. Amen? All right. Where am I now? See, 1 Corinthians 12. This is how Paul, how important it is to Paul. He says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. In other translations, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. He says here, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge, to another faith, to another gifts of healing, and by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers. You see, because I'm a person of pride, Lord, I want the miraculous powers. But he's not going to give it that way. And he continues to say, um, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. It is all right to desire, but it's God's choice. It's God's choice. It's the spirit's choice what he's going to give you. You cannot say, Lord, can I return the tongues? I want the miraculous powers, Lord. No return, no exchange. You cannot say, Lord, I want it all. I want the prophetic. I want, you know, that's the problem with most Christians. They think this is a game. They think this is for them to show off. You know what? I'll tell you the truth. Okay, this is how God is. Because your heart is the most important thing to God. 
Did you know that sometimes when the Lord releases the gift of healing, it doesn't mean you're standing on a stage and 30 people are lining up and they're all getting healed under the power of the Holy Spirit. The gift of healing sometimes is hospital visits when no one is looking every single day. You're in the hospital rooms. You're praying with a person with AIDS. You're praying with a person with cancer. And then in that place, somebody gets healed. There's no audience. It's only God because it's all about the heart. Remember, the gift is not for you to show off. It's for you to move with God, to build the body of Christ. It's to edify the body of Christ. We had this one youth, young girl, lives, um, she lives now, where does she live now? Somewhere in Europe, okay? And we were all in a youth camp, and the Holy Spirit just moved, and some of them were speaking in other tongues. This girl started to freak out. I, I saw her in front of me. She screamed. She walked outside. So I, I pulled another lady leader. I went outside. I said, Micah, what's wrong? Her name was Micah. She said, Pastor Brian, I could understand what they were saying. And I went back in. I got a notebook. I said, you understand? Write it down. Come back in. She started to sit down and just pen things. And I know some of you are skeptical. But I'll tell you this. There's no verse in the Bible that says the Spirit of God left. What is keeping the Spirit from moving in your lives in the miraculous when Jesus promised it to his church? And I'm telling you, there's no other place that the Lord will show forth signs and wonders except through the body of Jesus Christ. And that's you and that's me walking in the Spirit. Amen? Okay, like 10 people. I think I lost some of you. All right. As we submit to the Holy Spirit, He works in us and makes manifest the power of God in our daily lives. Here's the disclaimer. Here's the disclaimer for you and I. The biggest proof of a Spirit-filled life is not the gift of tongues or the gift of prophecy. It's an obedient and yielded life. You have to get that. Because you cannot have a person claiming to speak in tongues, claiming to operate in prophecy when their lives are not aligned to the most basic thing, to be obedient to God, to look like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to walk like Jesus. That's the most basic proof that you're a spirit-filled person. Amen? Can we review again? The first is the name of Jesus. And then we have the... And then we have the... So you're going to start reading the word. And then number four is... All right. Thank you, Lord. We're listening. And number five, the weapon of praise and worship. I love this. Psalm 22 verse 3 says this, Yet you are holy, O you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. In the, in the King James it says, Lord, you inhabit the praises of your people. That means every time you and I gather to sing and worship, Jesus makes his throne in this place. That's why when worship, when praise and worship is done in every place, the atmosphere can begin to change. That's why bondages can be broken even in worship when nobody's praying for you. Because the Bible says when you're worshiping, he begins to inhabit the praises of his people. And when his presence comes, things just get better. Amen? Lives begin to change. Are you still here with me? Yes? And things start to happen in the spirit because it's him invading earth with his presence. So never come here just to listen to the word of God. 
because you believe me, you can be set free just by worshiping him. That you begin to lift him up and say, God, this is about you. It's not about my issues. It's not about my problems. God, I just want to worship you in spirit and in truth. You'll be surprised that when God touches you, even before the preaching of the word of God, you can be set free under the spirit of God as you worship him and as you praise him. Question is this, does praise and worship only happen here or does it happen in your house? Does it only happen here or in the midweek services or are you a person that worships and praises him in your own home, right? Because that's a weapon that you and I can use. In fact, Psalm 34 says this, I will bless the Lord at what? At all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. So if you're saying that every time I worship, he inhabits the praises of his people, what if I continually worship? Does it mean that he continually inhabits the praise? I'll tell you, yes. If you're a person that walks in worship and walks in praise every day of your life, I'm telling you, you are changing the atmosphere of where you are. Please Please try and not be pilosopono. Don't do this when your wife is fighting you. You're beginning to sing praise and worship. No, Oh, Jesus, thank you for your grace. And you get a guitar. I'm telling you, she is going to inhabit your praises. And you will get hurt. Okay, the point of praise and worship is it's you taking authority of the atmosphere and saying, Lord, no, this can't be happening. We're going to fill the atmosphere with worship and praise. Every demon will tremble. Every fear will be broken. Every bondage will be broken. Let's fill this place with the Spirit. Let's fill this place with worship. Are you still here? Hebrews 13, 15, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Look at another story and we're going to wrap up here. Acts 16, 25 to 26. At about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Suddenly there was a vile, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. You see, that's what I mean. When you begin to worship God in spirit and in truth, it's not just your chains that are broken. It's the chains of everybody around you. You begin to change the atmosphere of what goes on around you. You can change the atmosphere of your home. You can change the atmosphere of your marriage. My friends, this is the arsenal that is in you through Christ Jesus. You don't need your pastor. Pastor, can you say the name of Jesus for me? Pastor, can you read the word of God for me? Leader, can you help me with this? Help me with that. All of these things, I want you to know, this is part of your weaponry as a believer. And I'm telling you, demons will tremble at the name of Jesus. How do you declare his name? Do you declare it over your marriage? Do you declare it over your children? Do you declare it over your church, your life group, your small group, your ministry? Because all of these, honestly, this is basic. This is Christianity 101, but we forget. No, we come to church and our prayer is, Lord, help me with my business. Help me, Lord, with provision. But whenever we come and say, God, I want the Spirit to rise mighty in me this month. I want to move in the Spirit like never before. Lord, I want to walk in intimacy with you. That when I mention the name of Jesus, there's an authority in the way that I pray. So that I can pray for people that you can use me with signs and wonders. 
right? A lot of the Christianity today be watered down the gifts of the Spirit. But remember, when Jesus left, he said this, I'm going to leave with you the Holy Spirit. He didn't leave with you a great preacher. He didn't leave with you a great church. He says, all you need is the Holy Spirit in whatever you do. And that's all that's good. you're going to need. When we begin to praise and worship, the Lord intervenes and shakes open the very thing that holds us captive. Here's the one verse that I want to end with. Look at this. Ephesians 1, 19 to 21. I promise you, this is the last verse. Did you get tired of all the verses? Are you okay? Yeah. Ephesians 1 says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any rule or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world but, in, but also in the world to come. Verse, uh, verse 6, look what it says. For he raised us from um, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united in Christ Jesus. In other words, he's saying, hey, believer, wake up to this reality. Life, your prayer life is not all about getting blessed, getting bigger things. Your prayer life should be deeper than that. You got to know that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power at work in your heart, in your marriage, in your family, in your kids, in your business. That is how powerful the arsenal that you have that's behind you. But how come we live like we're losing? We live like we're begging. Every time something happens, it's like we're always on defense. When the Bible, the Word of God says double-edged, we're on the offense, right? Are you ready to walk in this kind of anointing this year? I challenge you, push your prayer life further. Don't just pray the same old things every single time. Use the weapons of your warfare. How many times have you spoken life to your children if you have children rebelling? How many times have you spoken life into your marriage? Do you even pray for your husband or your wife in the spirit? Peter said it beautifully when he said in 1 Peter, in 2 Peter, when he said, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand and in due time, he will lift you up. The key is humble. It's humble. Some of us, we want to be lifted up high without being humble it's submitting to the power of these weapons and then it says there and in due time that's the problem because my due time and god's due time are different his calendar is different from my calendar no and in due time lord when is the due time it's taking so long and then the next verse is so powerful Peter actually gives you the secret to wait for the due time as you keep submitting to Christ, submitting to His power, submitting to Him as a mighty God. He gives you the secret to wait for the due time. You know what he says? The next verse, cast all your cares upon Him. So what do I do, sir, while I'm waiting for the due time? What you do is this. When you feel flustered, when you feel worried, cast your cares upon Him. And look at the last line of that verse because he cares for you 
In other words, he's saying, oh, Brian, that's important to you because that's important to you. God is saying, that's also important to me because I care for you. You see, that's the secret, my friends. As you walk in this anointing, it's a continually, continually dying to yourself, humbling yourself under God's mighty hand because under His mighty hand, you will do great things in due time. Right? Are you still here with me? Stand with me. I just want to pray with you. Did this help some of you? I know it felt like a class. I felt like I was teaching today. We have the weapon of the name of Jesus. The weapon of the blood of Jesus. The weapon of the word of God. You know those three palang, you have it in your hands already as we speak. And then you have the Holy Spirit and His gifts. The Holy Spirit is already here moving. And then finally, number five. You have the gift of praise and worship. You know all those things? You don't have to buy them. They're within your reach. Practice them in your homes. Practice them with your children. Practice them with the way that you live. And be victorious this 2019. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the power of the name that is above every other name. And Lord, we know, Father, that even when we mention His name, when we say Jesus, say Jesus, demons begin to tremble. Sicknesses that human beings cannot cure can be cured, Lord God. And the Word of God, the blood of Jesus, Lord, when Satan tries to condemn us, we can tell him, Satan, we are under the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no accusation that you can bring before us because for those of us that are in Christ, there is therefore now no more condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. My life is under the blood of Jesus Christ. And that is my confidence today to approach the throne of grace. And Lord, I thank you that you have raised up in this room right here, readers of the Word of God, people that study the Word of God day and night. So Lord, I'm making a commitment, Lord, even for the next 30 days, I'm going to get deep into the Word of God. I'm going to put language into my prayer. I'm going to put language into my worship. I'm going to read, study, meditate on the Word of God. I want to use this weapon more effectively this year. The double-edged sword. The promises I receive from you, one edge. And the promises I declare against the enemy, another edge. God, I want to be a person of the Word of God that I will be planted by streams of living water that bears fruit in season. And Lord, I pray, even those that are here and they're skeptical about the Spirit, Lord, there's nothing that can stop you from filling people with the Holy Spirit. Lord, it doesn't matter if I'm skeptical. It doesn't matter if I don't believe in it because you're so real, Lord. You can come upon mightily over every person here and give them an encounter with the Spirit like never before. So Lord, we want to use that weapon of warfare that we can have authority in our houses. And Lord, finally, I will use my mouth to bless the Lord at all times. And I'm going to let praise continually 
be in my lips. I'm going to make praise and worship not something we just do here for 30 minutes. But Lord, it's going to be a lifestyle everywhere I go. While I drive, while I get to the office, Lord, I'm constantly praying. I'm constantly worshiping. God, teach us to exercise the weapons of our warfare because they are mighty to tear down strongholds. And I declare, Lord, every person with their hands raised up high, I declare them to be victors, Lord God. Using the weapons of their warfare, they will tear down strongholds this year. They will see, Lord, a turnaround in their life as they use these weapons, Lord. Give us the faith, the courage, and the practice every single day. Because, Lord, it's the daily that forms the destiny. That's what we want, God. Faithful in the daily. Lord, we thank you for the word of God today. Seal it with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Everybody said.